So for this installment of We Were Warned, we have what might be the first explanation of the Antichrist, the great monarch, and their role in history. And this comes from quite a long time ago. We're talking the 10th or 11th century. So this is an interesting piece of Catholic history and Catholic prophecy that is often overlooked by people. And yes, it is approved by the church. So without further ado, The Letter on the Origin and Time of the Antichrist by Odso of Montier and Dare. When you wish to be informed about the Antichrist, the first thing you want to know is why he is so called. This is because he will be contrary to Christ in all things, and will do things that are against Christ. Christ came as a humble man. He will come as a proud one. Christ came to raise the lowly, to justify sinners. He, on the other hand, will cast out the lowly, magnify sinners, exalt the wicked. He will always exalt vices opposed to virtues, will drive out the evangelical law, will revive the worship of the demons in the world, will seek his own glory, see John chapter 7 verse 18, and will call himself Almighty God. The Antichrist has many ministers of his malice. Many of them have already existed, like Antiochus, Nero, and Domitian. Even now in our own time, we know there are many Antichrists. For anyone, layman, cleric, or monk, who lives contrary to justice and attacks the rule of his way of life and blasphemes what is good, see Romans chapter 14, verse 16, is an Antichrist, the minister of Satan. Now let us see about the Antichrist's origins. What I say is not thought out or made up of my own, but in my attentive reading I find it all written down in books. As our authors say, the Antichrist will be born from the Hebrew people, that is, from the tribe of Dan, as the prophet says. Let Dan be a snake in the wayside, an adder on the path. He will sit in the wayside like a serpent and will be on the path in order to wound those who walk in the paths of justice. See Psalm 22, verse 3 and slay them with the poison of his wickedness. He will be born from the union of a mother and father like other men, not, as some say, from a virgin alone. Still, he will be conceived holy in sin. See Psalm 50, verse 7. Will be generated in sin, and will be born in sin. See John, chapter 9, verse 34. At the beginning of his conception, the devil will enter his mother's womb at the same moment. The devil's power will foster and protect him in his mother's womb, and it will be always with him. Just as the Holy Spirit came into the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ and overshadowed her with his power and filled her with divinity, so that she conceived of the Holy Spirit and was born of her, was divine and holy. See Luke chapter 1, verse 35. So too the devil will descend into the Antichrist mother, will completely fill her, completely encompass her, completely master her, completely possess her within and without, so that with the devil's cooperation she will conceive through a man, and what will be born from her will be totally wicked, totally evil, totally lost. For this reason that man is called the son of perdition, see Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3, because he will destroy the human race as far as he can and will himself be destroyed at the last day. You have heard how he is to be born, now hear the place where he will be born. Just as our Lord and Redeemer foresaw Bethlehem for himself as the place to assume humanity and to be born for us, so too the devil knew a place fit for that lost man who was called Antichrist, a place from which the root of all evil, see 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, 
ought to come, namely, the city of Babylon. Antichrist will be born in that city, which once was a celebrated and glorious pre-Christian center and the capital of the Persian Empire. It says that he will be brought up and protected in the city of Bethsaida and Chorazin, the cities that the Lord reproaches in the gospel when he says, Woe to you, Bethsaida! Woe to you, Chorazin! See Matthew chapter 11, verse 21. The Antichrist will have magicians, enchanters, diviners, and wizards who, at the devil's bidding, will rear him and instruct him in every evil, error, and wicked art. Evil spirits will be his leaders, his constant associates, and inseparable companions. Then he will come to Jerusalem and, with various painful methods, will slay all the Christians he cannot convert to his cause. He will erect his throne in the holy temple. For the temple that Solomon built to God that had been destroyed, he will raise up to its former state. He will circumcise himself and will pretend that he is the son of Almighty God. He will first convert kings and princes to his cause, and then through them the rest of the peoples. He will attack the places where the Lord Christ walked and will destroy what the Lord made famous. Then he will send messengers and his preachers through the whole world. His preaching and power will extend from the sea to sea, from east to west. See Psalm chapter 71, verse 8. From north to south, he will also work many signs, great and unheard prodigies. See Apocalypse chapter 13, verse 13. He will make fire come down from heaven in a terrifying way. Trees suddenly blossom and wither. The sea becomes stormy and unexpectedly calm. He will make the elements change into different forms, divert the order and flow of bodies of water, disturb the air with winds and all sorts of commotions, and perform countless other wondrous acts. He will raise the dead in the sight of men in order to lead into error, if possible, even the elect. See Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. For when they shall have seen great signs of such a nature, even those who are perfect and God's chosen ones will doubt whether or not he is the Christ who, according to scriptures, will come at the end of the world. He will arouse universal persecution against the Christians and all the elect. He will lift himself up against the faithful in three ways. That is, by terror, by gifts, and by prodigies. To those who believe in him, he will give much gold and silver. Those he is not able to corrupt with gifts, he will overcome with terror. Those he cannot overcome with terror, he will try to seduce with signs and prodigies. Those he cannot seduce with prodigies, he will cruelly punish and miserably execute in the sight of all. Then there will be a tribulation such as has not been on earth from when the nations began to exist up to that time. Then those who are in the field, I will flee to the mountains, and he who is on the roof will not go down into his house to take anything from it. See Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 and 16, and Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Then every faithful Christian who will be discovered will either deny God, or if he will remain faithful, will perish, whether through the sword or fiery furnace, or serpents or beasts, or through some other kind of punishment. This terrible and fearful tribulation will last for three and a half years in the whole world. Then the days will be shortened for the sake of the elect, for unless the Lord had shortened those days, Mankind would not have been saved. See Matthew chapter 22, chapter 24, verse 22. The Apostle Paul reveals the time when Antichrist will come and when Judgment Day will begin in the Epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, which begins, We beseech you through the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the place where he says, Unless the defection shall have come first, and the man of sin and the son of perdition shall have been revealed. See 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. For we know that after the Greek Empire, or even after the Persian Empire, each of which in its time had great glory and flourished with the highest power, 
And last, after all the other empires, there came into existence the Roman Empire, which was the strongest of all, and had all the kingdoms of the earth under its control. All nations were subject to the Romans and paid tribute to them. This is why the Apostle Paul says that the Antichrist will not come into the world unless the defection shall have come first. That is, unless first all the kingdoms that were formerly subject shall have defected from the Roman Empire. This time has not yet come, because even though we may see the Roman Empire for the most part in ruins, nonetheless, as long as the kings of the Franks who now possess the Roman Empire by right shall last, the dignity of the Roman Empire will not completely perish, because it will endure in its kings. Some of our learned men say that one of the kings of the Franks will possess anew the Roman Empire. He will be in the last time and will be the greatest and the last of all the kings. After he has successfully governed his empire, he will finally come to Jerusalem and will lay aside his scepter and crown on the Mount of Olives. This will be the end and the consummation of the Roman and Christian Empire. Immediately, according to the saying of Paul the Apostle cited above, they, they say that the Antichrist will be then at hand, and then will be revealed the man of sin, namely the Antichrist. Even though he is a man, he will still be the source of all sins and the son of perdition, that is, the son of the devil, not through nature but through imitation, because he will fulfill the devil's will in everything. The fullness of diabolical power and of the whole character of evil will dwell in him in bodily fashion, for in him will be hidden all the treasures of malice and iniquity. He is the enemy, that is, he is contrary to Christ and all his members, and he is lifted up, that is, raised up in pride above everything that is called God. See Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. That is, above all the non-Christian gods, Hercules, Apollo, Jupiter, Mercury, etc., whom the pre-Christians think are gods. Antichrist will be lifted above these gods because he will make himself greater and stronger than all of them. He'll be lifted up not only above these gods, but also above everything that is worshipped, that is, above the Holy Trinity, which alone is to be worshipped and adored by every creature. He will exalt himself in such a way that he will be enthroned in God's temple, displaying himself as if he were God. As we have said above, he will be born into, this, into the city of Babylon, will come to Jerusalem, will circumcise himself and say to the Hebrews, I am the Christ promised to you who has come to save you, so that I can gather together and defend you who are the diaspora. At the time, all of them will flock to him in the belief that they are receiving God, but rather they will receive the devil. Antichrist also will be enthroned in God's temple, that is, in the Holy Church, and he will make all Christians martyrs. He will be lifted up and made great, because in him will be the devil, the fountainhead of all evil, who is the king above all the sons of pride. See Job chapter 41, verse 25. Lest the Antichrist come suddenly and without warning, and deceive and destroy the whole human race by his error, before his arrival the two great prophets Enoch and Elijah will be sent into the world. They will defend God's faithful against the attack of the Antichrist with divine arms, and will instruct, comfort, and prepare the elect for battle, with three and a half years of teaching and preaching. These two very great prophets and teachers will convert the sons of Israel who will live in that time to the faith, and they will make their belief unconquerable among the elect in the face of the affliction of so great a storm. At that time, what scripture says will be fulfilled. If the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, their remnant will be saved. See Romans chapter 9 verse 27. When after three and a half years they shall have finished their preaching, the Antichrist persecution will soon begin to blaze out. He will first take up his arms against them and will slay them, as it says in the Apocalypse. And when they have finished their witness, the beast will ascend from the abyss, will make war against them, and will conquer and kill them. See Apocalypse chapter 11, verse 7. 
After these two have been slain, he will then persecute the rest of the faithful, either by making them glorious martyrs or rendering them apostates. And whoever shall have believed in him will have received his brand on the forehead. See Apocalypse chapter 20, verse 4. Since we have spoken about his beginning, let us say what end he will have. The Antichrist, the devil's son, the worst master of evil, as has been said, will afflict the whole world with great persecution and bring pain to the whole people of God with various torments for three and a half years. After he has slain Elijah and Enoch and crowned with martyrdom the others who persevere in the faith, at last God's judgment will come upon him, as St. Paul writes when he says, The Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth. See Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. When the Lord Jesus will slay him by the power of his own might, or whether the archangel Michael will slay him, he will be killed through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, and not through the power of any angel or archangel. The teachers say that Antichrist will be slain on the Mount of Olives in his tent and upon his throne, in the place opposite to where the Lord ascended to heaven. You ought to know that after Antichrist has been slain, the judgment day will not come immediately, nor will the Lord come to judge at once. See Isaiah chapter 3, verse 14. But as we understand from the book of Daniel, the Lord will grant the elect 40 days to do penance because they were led astray by the Antichrist. No one knows how much time there may be after they shall have completed this penance until the Lord comes to judgment. But it remains in the providence of God who will judge the world in that hour in which for all eternity he predetermined it was to be judged. So, Your Highness, I am your loyal servant. You have faithfully fulfilled what you commanded. I am prepared to obey in other matters what you shall deem worthy to command. Thus the letter of Odso of Montier and de Jour.